All right, good morning, everybody. Let's get into the Word of God because it is the only thing that's going to change our lives, nothing else. Not my opinion, not anybody's opinions, but the opinions of God. All right? So let's open our hearts in prayer and uh, we invite the Holy Spirit to uh, invade our hearts. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We are so excited that, Lord, as your people, we have your word in our lives to guide us, your spirit of truth that will lead us into all the truth that is contained in your word. And uh, it, it, it is the word that will produce faith in us and hope. And Father, we pray that you will enlighten our hearts with the truth here, Lord. Bless your people, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. As I said, I'm, I'm always excited about talking about the Word of God because after being in, in ministry for over 40 years, is the only thing that I, I know that that is my, my only source of strength. So, uh, you know, last last few weeks, you know, since Hawthorne, I, I've been meditating on on what God was doing, Diane's sermon, Calvin's sermon. And uh, I want to continue on, on uh, that theme that, that I uh, preached on, on uh, Sunday, a few Sundays ago at, at uh, Hawthorne Town Hall, the whole theme of as God's people, we don't trade. We just, you know, how, how do we escape this, this culture of us trading? I'll give you this, my gift, and then you elevate me or whatever, all those things. So... Uh, I just want to recap some of those the points that, that we we've made so far, and in 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 my last sermon I I talk about the best way to avoid the culture of trading is by knowing who we are. That we are the people called out. It is our very essence as the people called out for God. Okay, and in 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 my that sermon that I made. You know, I made a distinction between those who are called out and those who just tag along. Because in any group, in the church especially, there will be those who just tag along and uh, and people who are called out. We need to, to be that, that second um, type of people, people who are called out. And I use the story, an example, the story of Abraham. Abraham was, was in... in uh, in the, in the land of the Chaldeans, and God called him out to Canaan and uh, to be a blessing to, to the families of the earth. And so Abraham, journeying throughout the whole, throughout all his life with that sense of call, but on the other hand, there was some, another man in Abraham's life called Lot. And Lot, he wasn't called out, but he was with Abraham. In a way, I can say he just tagged along with Abraham, and and what we learn is that because Abraham responded to the call of God, he was so blessed. Now Lot, Abraham's uh, nephew, was also blessed, not because he was called, but because he was with Abraham. So what I learned from that is this: that. As people who are called, we are blessed by God because of the call of God in our lives. But the blessing doesn't stop with us. It flows out of us and touches other people, just like Lot. 
he was blessed because he was with Abraham. So the blessing that Abraham experienced actually flow out of Abraham and also blessed Lot. And uh, so my point is one of the important points that I made uh, last time was that if the blessing is the result of the call of God in our lives, then I want to be a man living his life uh, in the pursuit of the call of God, not of the blessing. And uh, so uh, that's, I think, my invitation to all of us. You come to church, living a life as, as believers, as disciples of Jesus, live our life in the pursuit of the call of God, not the blessing of God. The blessing is the overflow of, or the result of us pursuing the call of God. And uh, in the New Testament setting, I'm going to uh, share from, from the, the New Testament, this, this same scenario happened in the New Testament. In the life and the ministry of Jesus, there are two groups of people, and I, you know, and as a matter of fact, the Gospels will present to us that they, this big group of people, I call them the crowd, and the smaller group of people called the disciples. And uh, the crowd, they followed Jesus wherever, they, they, wherever Jesus went, but among the crowds, there are a group of people, they were there with Jesus, not just to tag along, they were there because one day, at one point in their lives, they heard the call of Jesus in their lives, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Whereas the rest of the people called the crowd, they were there because they benefit from the ministry of Jesus. They were fed, they were healed, they were delivered, and they, they heard some teaching and uh, yeah, and all those things. As a matter of fact, Jesus in uh, John chapter 6, verse 26, I believe, where when he, he's, when he arrived at one place and all these people came, and Jesus said to them, you're here, right? Not because you saw the sun, but because you, you were fed, right? <laughs> and in the gospel, Jesus made a distinction between those two, two different groups of people. And like I said, they, they, they listened to Jesus' teaching, and when the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verse, verse 9, it says that after teaching the crowd, Jesus came by himself when he was alone with, with his disciples, and the disciples came to him because Jesus was teaching in parables. And they asked, asked Jesus the meaning of the parables. And this is Jesus' comment. He said to them, To you have been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, they only receive it in parables. That's an amazing statement because from what I see is that Jesus makes a distinction between the disciples and the crowd. And the disciples, those who, like I said, one day in their life heard the call of Jesus, follow me. Jesus saw them as the insiders and the crowd. He named them. He said, for those who are outside. So there are outsiders and those who are insiders. Now you and I, at this point, we can decide, do, you, do we want to be insiders in the life of Jesus 
or outsiders. Being outsiders, you can be blessed. Yeah, because that's, you know, it happens. But no, I'd rather be insiders and be uh, and experience the the blessing as as the outcome, as as the overflow of of just being called. And uh, I want to talk about the the, the this this uh, short verse that Jesus that we, we read about the call of Jesus, and uh, in Matthew chapter four when he called the disciples. He said to them, follow me, and I, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, follow me and I will make you feasts of man. Okay? It's a very simple statement, but when you break it down, when you discuss it, it's actually massive. Okay? Now, this is when I want to talk about the essence of the call. All right? The essence of this call, what this call means, okay? So Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. Just that simple statement, we can learn two things. There are two aspects of this call in our lives. Number one, and that is the call of Jesus. Jesus called his disciples to be with him. That's the first aspect. I'll say it again. The first and most important aspect of this call of Jesus in our lives is the call to be with him. Follow me. And then the second aspect is that, and I will make you fishes of man. This is very, very important. So first is the call to be with him. And the second aspect of it is the call to be something. To become something. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, as we see in the world, we have this tendency of focusing on the second aspect of the call of Jesus in our lives than the first aspect. And even in, some, in many of our sermons, I've been guilty of that. And in many of our communications, it's about me becoming something. I want to be somebody. I want to be something. And yet, when you think about that simple statement, no, no, no. The first thing that we need to take care of is about being with Jesus. About journeying with Jesus. And being with Him should be our primary sort of preoccupation for every believer. It's about relationship with Jesus. Because I believe it is the one thing that will sustain our journey, being with him. Why? Because Jesus said it in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. Now here's the here's the, the here's the here's the the point that I want to push here. Part of being with him, there is a certain criteria. That's why maybe it's not as popular as we would like it to be, but it's being human. To be with him, Jesus said, 
in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Anyone want to be my disciples, you need to deny yourself and then follow me. Pick up the cross and follow me. Now that's interesting. That's it. The part of that, that important part of the call of Jesus is about being with him. Jesus made a criteria. You want to be with me? You need to deny yourself. And uh, maybe it's the, th the thing that we probably don't like because the denying of yourself, is, it was as if Jesus is saying, you want to be somebody, you need to begin with being a nobody. <laughs> it's like somebody once said, Moses growing up wanting to be somebody and God made him a nobody in order that he could be a servant of everybody. I love that. Moses growing up looking to be somebody, but God took him aside, made him a nobody, so that he could be effective to be a, to be a servant of everybody. I think that's the call of God in our lives. And we see this, see that, that pattern in the New Testament, when, in the call of the disciples. In um, Matthew chapter four, uh, chapter five, immediately after Jesus called the disciples, after they heard the call of Jesus to follow him, he gave this, probably the most significant, probably the, the longest uh, teaching of Jesus in, in, uh, in all the Gospels that is called the Sermon on the Mount. And that teaching uh, began with this, the, this section called the Beatitudes. And this Beatitudes had the opening statement and by Jesus said, Blessed are those who are poor in the spirit. Blessed are the poor in the spirit. Interesting. Now, this idea of being poor in spirit, you know, metaphorically speaking, if you look at the poor people, right? The poor people means people who live depending on somebody else and they've got nothing to offer. People who are poor, they, they depend on other people. And I think what Jesus is saying is that poor in spirit means, you know, our dependency is Jesus because he, he is our all-sufficiency, all right? So, because apart from us, we've got nothing to offer. So, uh, and that's, that was the first teaching that, that Jesus gave to the disciples. And uh, I think a good example is the story when Jesus... Jesus uh, gave a story of two people standing, praying in, in, a, in a temple, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Bible says how the, uh, the Pharisee stood in the temple and he prayed, God, I fasted, I did this. I, he just gave, in, in, the content of his prayer was giving a report about what he's done for God. You know, I, I, you know, I'm faithful. I'm not like the idolaters. You know, I'm not like this tax collector. He even pointed to the other guy. So 
pretty much he gave a report of his performances, like, I've done all this. And then on the other hand, the tax collector stood up, looking up, couldn't even look up to the sky, but beating his chest. And he said, have mercy, O God. Have mercy on me, O God. And you know what Jesus said in that, in that story? Jesus said, the tax collector walked away being justified. Why? Because he had nothing to offer except asking for God's mercy. Whereas the Pharisees, he had so much to offer. I did this, I did this, I did that. You know, like, I'm not like those people. So, uh, so I believe that is a picture of what being poor in spirit is. So uh, I'd like to, uh, to use another example, and this is a good example. And that is uh, the, the man called Peter. Because in my message, I want to, to present to you that the call of Jesus is a journey. It's a journey. It's a lifetime journey. And it's, it's, uh, it's an exciting journey, but it's the forming of us. Now, I want to use an example of this character called Peter. If anyone knew firsthand what it, mean, what it meant to be divinely elected would be this guy, Peter. He of all people could tell us today, being called is a, lie, is a lifelong and a complex journey. It's a journey he had with Jesus. And I'm sure he can say it's all worth it. All right. From the initial call, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, like I said before, we watched the, the journey of Peter from the initial call to the highlight of his journey with Jesus, which is the, the confession he gave in Matthew chapter 16. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, with a great commendation. And, uh, and, and then after that, the rebuke from Jesus. Okay? So we watched how he journeyed with Jesus, the, the lowest and the heights, and then the lowest moment was his denial of Jesus. And then after that, the re, we we're going to cover all that, the reinstatement of him as, as a disciple of Jesus. And obviously, the, the time of Pentecost when he preached and 5,000 people got saved. But let's just go to how, he's, how this guy Peter started. He started when Jesus came, he just finished fishing, and then uh, he started as a, as a man poor in spirit. He's, he was not born of a priestly tribe or pedigree, or he was, he was just a fisherman, all right? So uh, the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke wrote in his Gospel, about his, his uh, encounter with Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 5, when Jesus called him. He'd been going all night and caught nothing, and he was washing his net, and Jesus said to him, okay, go on the boat, let's launch into the deep and go fishing. And he said, Lord, we've gone all night. We caught nothing. 
So, uh, and he said, however, at your word, we'll do it. Now, you got to understand, as a professional fisherman responding to a teacher who's not a fisherman but a carpenter, you know, that's pretty, pretty, hum you know, like, that's good for him for answering that way. So they went, and then, of course, it was a miraculous catch. He caught, caught a lot of fish, and at that moment, that's when he said to Jesus, Depart from me, Lord, for I am such a sinful man. It was just like the same response as, as the tax collector. It's like, God, I realize I've got nothing to, uh, to offer. Beautiful story. Now, after that, he walked with Jesus for three and a half years, witnessing and participating in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, as well as feeding the 5,000, feeding the multitude, walking on water and all those things. And then the highlight of his walk with Jesus, like I mentioned before, was one day Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 talked to the disciples and he said, who do, who do people think I am? Who do people say that I am? And while the other disciples kind of like, oh, yeah, some people say this, some people say that, and some people said, you're Elijah. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you didn't, you didn't, it's not just, it's not just your idea there. You heard from heaven. It's my father who spoke to you. It was fantastic. I can imagine Peter like, oh, that's good. I really, I did well with that. And I could imagine there's a sense of celebration in Peter, uh, Peter's heart. Uh, and yet when we read the story, that celebration didn't last long because a few verses later, Jesus said to Jesus, uh, Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> it's like from this greatest uh, commendation to this greatest, I can say, uh, rebuke from, from Jesus. Jesus called him Satan. Just goes to show that you and I, we are, as much as we can hear God, we are still susceptible to, uh, to the voice of the enemy or the voice of Satan. So at that point, I, I reckon Peter may be in danger of losing his status or being poor in the spirit, really, because, because the Bible says that when Jesus started speaking about his suffering, the Bible says Peter rebuked Jesus. I thought, whoa, that's a strong word. And uh, he rebuked Jesus. Now, I can't imagine... The Bible doesn't say that, but, but I can imagine Peter probably thought, I can hear from God now. I, I, I think I'm, I'm qualified to, to speak on this thing, Jesus. You know, that will never happen. And that's when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So my, my thing is like, would that rebuke bring Peter back to that status of being poor in spirit, just like in the beginning? With that, uh, let's read. Let's, let's talk more. At the last supper, Jesus talked to the disciples and he said, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. 
That's what Jesus said. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep and the flock will be scattered. But I have reason, when I have reason, I will go ahead and see you in Galilee. So when, in response to what, what Jesus said, this very night, you will all fall away. That's Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 to 32. When he said that, Peter quickly answered, uh-uh, not me. Even all may fall away on account of you, not me. I never will. And then Jesus told him, no, no, Peter, you're going to deny me, as a matter of fact, tonight. And Peter said, uh, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty bold. Now, I want to say this. Peter's sincerity is towards, you know, and his love for Jesus is unquestionable. He loved Jesus. But here's the point I want to make. Our sincerity does not necessarily warrant a right response. And in this case, in Peter, does not warrant a right response because we can be sincere but sincerely deceived. And in this case, for Peter, Peter's sincerity is based on self-reliance, self-assurance. What happened to that poor in spirit that Jesus said? After Peter denied Jesus three times, the story tells us the rooster crowed as Jesus predicted. And Peter went outside the courtyard and wept bitterly. Matthew 26 says that. At this moment, it's, I can imagine his past bravado and even the great confession that he had concerning Jesus as the Messiah probably would mean nothing to him by now. He's blown it big time. I'm sure that's what went, went on in, in his head. Peter, you've just blown it. And the Bible says he wept bitterly. The only thing that's left with him is the broken spirit. Listen to this, with nothing to offer. <laughs> yeah. And I think we, it's safe to say that maybe Peter right now is in that state of being poor in spirit. Because like I said, the Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. This kind of remind me, this reminds me of the prayer of David in Psalm 51. After falling into adultery and murder, the, the husband of the, the woman he, uh, he had adult, uh, adultery, committed adultery with, 
David prayed this prayer in Psalm 51. He said, he said to God, Oh God, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. And this is Psalm 51, uh, verse 16. A psalm that began with, Have mercy, O God. You know, David was crying out in, for mercy. And in, in that psalm, he, he said to God, Sacrifice you do not require, you don't require, but a broken spirit you will not despise. I can imagine in that, when you look at the context of David's existence, as a king who can offer God anything, everything, as a king he could kill thousands of cattle, sheep, and all, all those things. But he said, God, that's not what you want. And I realize I've got nothing to offer. The only thing that I have to offer to you is a broken spirit. A broken spirit you will not despise. It's almost like David came to that moment of truth. I am nothing. I've got nothing to offer. I'm just going to offer, offer this broken spirit. So back to Peter, uh -huh. in that place of brokenness. And the gospel describes Peter after the crucifixion. And then he saw Jesus in the resurrection. Even after seeing Jesus in the resurrection, I believe that something is not still, still not resolved. And uh, in the gospel of John, John tells us this story. One night, Peter, Peter just said to the, to the rest of his colleagues, he said, listen, I'm going to go out fishing. I'm just going to go out fishing. Now, you got to understand, he was a fisherman, but he left that career to follow Jesus for three and a half years. It was as if, well, I, I've blown it. Yeah, Jesus raised from the dead. Thank you, but you know, it's, it's amazing. But as for me, I don't know what have I got to offer. You know, I, I, he, I, I opened my mouth. You know, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll never, you know, others might may may leave you, but not me. But I've blown it. So it was as if in his utter discouragement, maybe maybe he just he just thought, well, at least I can do something. I know I, I can do fishing, like. That's my profession. Let's just go fishing. That's the only thing I know I can do. So guess what? One thing I learned from there, just like in this, this story, this particular story of Peter going back fishing, it's interesting because he was, he was like a, the, well, we call it the big mouth Peter, but, but also he always shows, you know, leadership in, 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 in the story in the gospel. So when he said that, other disciples said, we, we come, we're coming with you. <laughs> so I was like, okay, follow the leader, Peter. Here's the thing. In his discouragement, he went back to his old life and the gospel presented with the story. Guess what? It says he caught nothing. Like 
Often people, when they discourage, they go back to the old life. Guess what they get? Nothing. And that's what happened with Peter. But I love this. Peter, as they were fishing, caught nothing all night. And then Jesus stood on the shore. And Jesus said, throw your net to the right. And then they threw their net to the right. And the Bible says, you know, after catching nothing, all of a sudden, they caught fish, 150-something fish. It was like full on. And then John was the one, I can imagine, be, be, you know, like in that moment, caught nothing, and then they caught fish, and then because, just because they obeyed the voice of Jesus. I can imagine for Peter, it's almost like a moment of deja vu. It's like, I've been here before. I've been here before. It's like, I mean, the gospel doesn't say that, but it's possible. It's like, whoa, we caught fish, we, we, we went all night, we caught nothing. Have I been here before? And then John said, it's the Lord on the beach. And Peter obviously couldn't control himself. He jumped into the water and started swimming to Jesus. And uh, when he swam to Jesus, they all had dinner together or whatever, or breakfast, whatever. They, they, they all had meals together. And then, and then uh, Jesus asked Peter, let me ask you this, Peter. Do you love me more than this? Now that could be two meanings. Some people say, Jesus asked him, uh, do you love me more than this, as in these people? But I believe it's both, it's all, a, a, you know, all encompassing. Because Peter, in his discussion, went back fishing and caught fish. It was like Jesus said, because he left that career, it, it could also include, okay, Peter, let's go back the way it was in the beginning. You left that. So do you still love me more than this, than what, what you're doing here? And uh, Peter, in, in, in his broken sort of uh, condition, he began with, he began with, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me? And then he said, Lord, you know I love. And then when Jesus asked the second time, maybe Peter just remember how he denied Jesus three times. So the third time Jesus asked, it was like that brokenness or the 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 being poor in spirit. Peter left that judgment, that, that assessment in Jesus' hand. Peter said, Jesus, you know all things. As if to say, I'm not gonna, gonna say to you how much I love you. You know all things. That was the moment of the reinstatement of Peter. It was as if Jesus, in bringing Peter back, uh, in, in, in reinstating Peter into, into where he was before, he took him back 
to that moment of the first time he was uh, Peter was called, caught nothing, and then Jesus was there. It's almost like Jesus just brought him back, reminding him where he came from. And uh, I think where the, where we are as a as a church and church in general, I think in our walk with Jesus. Like I said in in the beginning, Peter after that 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 brokenness, he forty days later or fifty days later, some you know at least forty days later, the Holy Spirit used him as a broken man. The, the Holy Spirit used him. First sermon on the day of Pentecost on the birth of the church. 5,000 people came to the kingdom of God because of the sermon of a broken man, of a sermon of a man who are poor in spirit. So the point of this message is this. Go back to the beginning, like I said. The two aspects of the call of Jesus into our, in, in our lives that we need to to equip our minds and our hearts with and that is the first aspect is the most important thing is the call to be with him he called us to be with him that is more than enough and so often in our pursuit of the second aspect you know I want to be something because you know I can do all things through Christ Jesus and we sort of misquote all these scriptures and you know I can do all those things and so often we become cocky in, in, our, in our Christian walk even I have to, to make sure that you know my, I guard my heart and every minister every, every leader in, in, in the church we need to guard our hearts against that cockiness and self-confidence and self-assurance we need to maintain that hey listen apart from Jesus I can do nothing. I've got nothing to offer. So, all of us, my thing is like, my, my, my aim in, in, in this sermon is that, God, I want member lifers and every Christian to have this revelation of the call of God in our lives first is to be with Jesus, to have, to walk with Jesus. To journey with Jesus. Peter went through all these things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We, we fall, we go up, we fall, but as long as we hang on to Jesus with everything that we have, because it's all about walking with Him. Okay? How we began is about all about calling the name of Jesus, and we're going to end with that about walking with Jesus. Now I can understand when Jesus sent the, sent the 12 disciples and they experienced the signs and wonders and all those things, you know, heal the sick, and they came back, they said, Jesus, even demons subject to us. And Jesus said, do not rejoice on those things, but rejoice that your name is written in the, names, in the book of life. In other words, rejoice that you're going to be with me forever. 
It begins and ends with Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your walk now with the issue of COVID-19 and every other issues in life. Maybe some of us are discouraged. Maybe some of us, like, uh, I don't know where I'm going. Let's just call on the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Let's just do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, in walking with you and in whatever we're, we're, we're pursuing, whatever we do in life, Lord, let there be this, this thing in our hearts, in our heads, in everything that we think that apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing. And we need you, Lord Jesus. Now, there are people here in wherever they're at, in their walks of, of life. Just let your spirit work in our hearts, Lord. And that, and that all we do is just Holding, just holding on to you, Jesus. In good time, bad times, or whatever, Lord. People with family, people with jobs, with whatever, Lord Jesus, with, with financial situation. You are our all-sufficiency. We love you, Jesus. Touch your people, Lord. Touch your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you guys. Bless you. Thank you, Lord.